everyone, this is part six of our How to Start a Family Office series. Now is when it starts getting more fun. We had to cover the fundamentals and the basics to set the things up right and cover some assumptions, common questions we get. Um, but this is the part I really enjoy more, um, is advising families on these three different components of their family office. Um, the three components are, one, public markets, and that's your defensive, really diversified part of your strategy. Unless you made your money in the public markets, you may want to tell your wealth advisor you love Costco and you love Amazon or whatever it is, but you pretty much stay out of it if you're like most people. Um, and they are helping you so that you can stay hands-off, very low time and energy investment on your behalf, and very little uh, direction from you typically. Um, that's section one. Most people have a wealth advisor. If you're not happy with yours, upgrade one to a family office quality wealth advisor or multifamily office. Um, but the second part of the portfolio that the most effective family offices I work at have in place is their real estate portfolio. Um, every wealthy family I work with has real estate, a good amount of it. Usually it's 20 to 35%, sometimes as much as 40% of their net worth is in real estate. The average family I work with puts about 20% into real estate development and 80% into cash flow in real estate. But for every video in the series, Things should be customized to who you are, your risk level, your income. We really drove that point home earlier in the series. So if you skipped a few of those videos, go back and watch it. But nobody should ever give you financial advice on anything without knowing exactly who you are, right? So for some people, it may not make sense to have real estate. For some people, they should have a lot of real estate, perhaps, or a lot of income generating real estate and no development. So it just depends on your risk appetite and what your personal situation is, of course, with anything financial. But in the second area of real estate here, what's different than the public markets is that you're not getting exposure to hundreds or thousands of securities and fund managers and ETFs and mutual funds and bonds and fixed income products. Um, what you're doing in the real estate space typically is choosing four to seven real estate food groups, weighting them in different amounts by which ones you like most and having a moderate level of control, insight and direction. This is very different than public markets again because you're typically not just trusting one or two wealth advisors. You're typically trusting four to six, maybe 10 to 12 different real estate managers, sponsors sometimes they're called, or fund managers or real estate development partners. And you're trusting them with their different brain trusts that are their teams with your capital to get you returns in the real estate industry. Some products you invest in real estate could be hard money lending or debt related or more income preferred equity investments, but most real estate investments, you're getting equity and then a profit share at the end and maybe some income along the way. And so a lot of the families we work with will try to find the unique strategies that make sense to them that don't just look like they're following the herd. So we try to find the most unique strategy that makes a lot of sense and is highly compelling in two or three ways. We meet teams in person, we do background checks, we get to know them over a number of years, we watch them scale their strategies, and we ask ourselves, out of a thousand people we've met who work in multifamily, or out of 400 people of men that work in self-storage, is this group a top 1% group? And if they are, why? And if we really like the team and the strategy is unique and we've gotten to know them and we can visit their assets or their, their strategy not only is unique and sounds compelling, but it makes sense and we can follow the model and the assumptions, we don't think they're outlandish, uh, then we potentially move forward with that group. And so because we've hosted 185 live events within our investor club, and we talked to 7,000 people face-to-face -face at our 15 live events per year, and we've been doing this for 15 years, we really want to hammer home that the level of trust matters more than their projections of how much money they're going to make you. Who cares if they say they're going to make you 30% a year if you think they may be lying, right? 
think they may be a fraud. I think maybe what they're saying is not true. Maybe their assumptions are aggressive. The families that we work with oftentimes would much rather work with somebody that they trust 100% who's promising 13% a year returns than somebody who's promising 19% of returns, but something seems a little bit off about them. I'm often surprised by lower high net worth people worth one or two or $3 million that are not ultra wealthy yet. And so they think the way to get there is to go for the bright, shiny thing that's offering the highest returns when really that's going to slow down their path because they're going to lose money on some of those deals with some of those people. And they would have been better off managing their downside risk and just hitting doubles to grow their wealth rather than trying to hit home runs and then sometimes blowing out and losing some of their wealth. So to recap here, first part of the portfolio, public market. Second part, real estate, typically 80% cash flowing, 20% development. And most families are choosing four to seven different real estate food groups and anywhere between seven to 12 different investment funds, providers, and sponsors to diversify their wealth. Um, the, third, the third group, which is the highest level of control, so public market, least amount of control and insight, real estate, you might choose the ge geography, the strategy, and the managers. But unless there's an asset right in your backyard or a type of asset you want to take on yourself, you're typically not walking the roof and negotiating the deals yourself. You may take on one real estate food group internally, but typically that's the most that families do, if anything, and usually only if it's right in their backyard or their backgrounds in real estate. Um, the third area in operating businesses is where you play the strongest offense. Um, public markets is almost pure defense for most people, typically. Real estate, you can um, grow your wealth uh, decently well over the long term, sometimes amazingly well if you hold on long enough. You almost always look like a genius when you hold on for 20 or 30 years, which most families don't. Um, but in the area of real estate, you're also playing defense in that it's a hard asset, cash flowing, and very hard for a real estate asset to go down to zero unless there's high leverage and then the whole deal gets blown out because it was over levered and you can't make your bank payments and you get foreclosed on. So as long as your debt is moderate to low, pretty hard for it to go to zero like an operating business could. For that reason, when you're playing offense in your portfolio and you are investing into operating businesses, to other people, it will look like the riskiest thing you're doing. But if you're only investing into operating businesses where you created your wealth and where you have a huge competitive advantage, then you know how to manage those risks. And within that company, you can play defense and offense and you can influence growth, open doors, add to distribution, hire the right people, step in a CEO for a month while you hire a new CEO as needed and be able to call people on their bluffs if they try to pull one over on you. If you don't have that expertise, then it's very hard to invest into a company and have high conviction you have the right valuation, you've done the right due diligence, you've asked the right questions, that they really have a sound business model and that their pricing is right and that they have true market acceptance. Uh, if you have a big network in an industry, you can tease those things out pretty quickly. So in this area, it's where you're going to make the most concentrated bets. You typically will have the most control, the most insight, the most concentration into just one or two niches of operating businesses. And we encourage families to focus in this area the most. In our business and with my balance sheet, um, we've learned to focus because that's what the most effective family offices we know do. So we are focused um, in the area of operating businesses, just on investing into medical practices and dental practices. Um, and then in the area of real estate, we're focused on investing into Airbnb assets. And then we will invest passively into strategies such as converting ugly motels to apartments, for example. And we found a great team in that little niche by chance. And so that is how we approach it because that's how the most successful families that we know work. And this uh, point is important not to miss. The same brains who manage your public market wealth 
are not going to be the same brains that manage your real estate wealth and not the same brains or team that's going to manage your operating business investments, which that might be yourself or your CFO or your CEO that you hire. So make sure that you're not just trusting one person and saying, yeah, you manage our family office and you're going to do a great job on direct investments. You're going to do a great job in the public markets. You're going to do a great job selecting my wealth advisor, my trust and estate planner. That's pretty risky to do. The whole point of having a family office is to have control and to put things into place in the right way that you know you have to as an entrepreneurial family and not just blindly trust it to a private bank and say, okay, yeah, I don't know what 19 layers of fees you're charging me or if you're really doing what's in my best interest. But, okay, thank you for making my life totally passive and more simple. Uh, there's a big cost that comes with that. And so the point of this video and this part in the series is just to drive home that you have your public market portfolio, your real estate portfolio, and your operating business investments. And those should be treated differently, measured differently, different top deal flow and considerations, like the deals you're considering in each of those areas. And there's maximum control and insight here, moderate here with real estate and the lowest level, most hands-off typically with public market investments. I hope that you found this video in our How to Start a Family Office series super helpful. Uh, this is Richard Wilson, and I'll see you on the next video soon.